Bienvenidos. This is Richard Wilson. With this podcast, there are no electives. Every program is a prerequisite. The semester is in session. It's season two of the Bait and Switch podcast. Welcome back to the second annual Tour de France preview podcast, the 2019 edition. Today, our guests include Mitch Tyke, local radio celebrity host, Milwaukee celebrity uh, cycling legend, Tom Schuler. Celebrity. He's a celebrity, isn't he? I guess he is. He's a, he's a legend. If he's I, a legend, yeah. he's a celebrity, isn't he? I guess so, yeah. I, I did we got all, Everybody's a celebrity. We got, <laughs> we got junior celebrity, Sylvie Tyke here. We got tonight. five people here today in the room. Five, here. yeah. This is the most we've ever had in the room for uh, any type of recording going on at all. So. Yeah, Mitch's daughter is a local yeah. junior she, cyclist. Right, and she's right. the only cycling journalist in the room, actually. That's right. She she's, has a, uh, a blog. And she's the, yeah. she's the race reporter for, for Tour of America's Dairyland. Cool. And then, of course, Chris is here, too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, welcome. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for coming. Well, first, talk to Chris about the route of the race. Sure. We're here to talk about the Tour de France. The Grand Tour is a three-week bike race. They race pretty much every day with a couple rest days. And the route is something that I used to think was more important, and now I've become convinced it's a little less important as time goes on. The, there's a saying in cycling that it's the riders that make the race, not the route. And as I follow cycling over the years, I've become more convinced of that. The tour visits most regions of France. Actually, I think it starts in Belgium this year. Then it goes through the different mountain ranges. Start, you've got a bunch of flat stages for the sprinters. You've got a stage two team time trial, which is 27K, which is a you know, somewhat pivotal stage, especially for those riders that are on weaker teams and then the 13th stage is a individual time trial stage that's another big stage as well as other mountaintop finish stages again the riders really make the race more than the route well uh let's go over to mitch now and he's i'm going to ask him to describe the jerseys uh starting with the yellow jersey well the yellow jersey is the uh, the most iconic uh cycling jersey in professional cycling i think even people who are not really familiar with the way uh, grand tour works know the yellow jersey it is for the overall race leader in the tour that's determined by the guy who has the best time overall it can be somewhat confusing if you don't watch uh, competitive cycling uh, you can see somebody win a stage by a lot and they're not wearing the yellow jersey and you scratch your head and say what what's going on here uh, this is the guy that is the the best gc or uh, general classification rider okay right. and that's the guy that i always see and i say how can he be wearing the yellow jersey he's like 600th place <laughs> yeah. and, uh, like how, how is this right. working here and let me so, let me add this uh you know back in armstrong's days that's why the band that he you know that uh, for cancer was yellow right because those yellow bands that were ubiquitous uh 20 years ago were because of the yellow jersey and, you know, I, I never put two and two together, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> Glad you could join us tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I learned something. Uh, how, about, how about his daughter, Sophie? Uh, Sylvie. 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 Sylvia. Sorry. Sylvie. 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 You have to, you have to do a lot of editing. 
This is I, Sylvie. I didn't know she was coming, all right? Anyway, Sylvie. Call Mike. Pick a jersey. What do you want? Do you want to talk about the mountains, the um, points, or the I youth? Can, I'll talk about best young rider. So the best okay. young rider is the white jersey, and that's the best placed rider under 23. And usually that person is in the top 10 of GC general classification because especially now with so many talented young riders, it's hard to be lower down on GC and still be able to compete with the older. I'm going to jump ahead here briefly. This is something we're going to talk about later. We'll, we'll talk about it right now because I know that she knows the answer. Who is your pick for the white jersey this year? It's a difficult one. No, it's not. You can get it. But, uh, Think hard. <laughs> I don't know, I, Think hard. I'd say Bernal. There you go. That was, yeah. was that so hard? <laughs> no. That was no. that should have been spring yeah. to your mind right away. Might depend on Bernal's health, though. He uh, crashed out leading up to the Giro, right. so it'd be a good question to see how he's recovered for the tour. Yeah. All right, Mitch. How about the mountains jersey? Mountain jersey, the uh, polka dot jersey, and this is uh, determined by uh, each categorized mountain is assigned a certain number of points. Uh, there are often uh, more points even for a mountaintop finish. Uh, you got guys that uh, early in the race collect a lot of points in the uh, category three and four. And so you'll see guys on often a wild card team who are leading in the, the KOM jersey early in the race. And then, you know, your Julian Alaphilippe's of the world uh, tend to come through by the end. And then, Sylvie, the last one, the points jersey. Yeah, the green jersey. So typically this is won by a sprinter for the past many years it's been peter sagan the most points are awarded at the end of the stage which is why you typically see a sprinter getting it because they could win or get second place or third just high placings on the first few flat stages and then maybe go ahead in the breakaway on other stages to get the sprint points and now i want to talk to a guy that's actually done this a guy that has actually raced a grand tour he raced the 1985 Tour of Italy, which, like the Tour de France, is a three-week stage race. So tell us, Tom, about the demands of doing a three-week race. Yeah, I will. Um, the thing I learned, and I rode a bunch of two-week stage races in my career, a lot of one-week stage races, and they say it's diff a Grand Tour is different because of that third week, is um, the, the thing you don't understand is what it the recuperative powers you need to rest overnight and after that second week and you get into that third week that's what where you see riders implode on that third week especially a younger rider that doesn't have the stamina the the endurance and it hasn't done this before now i'm trying to remember my my zero history here was 85 was that the andy Hampstead year andy was 89 okay. i believe um chris looked it up and right. it happened to be bernard he know you know, okay. and that year, you know, and LeMond were on the same team, and they were both, LeMond was in the race and finished third, and Moser was second. Right. Moser had won at least one or two Giros. Your team was? 7-11. We'd been in existence since 81, and we'd had, we went through the Olympics in 84, and we turned pro in 85, and when we got that invitation for the Giro, it was with six weeks to go. Oh, sure. um, one of our team leaders was out of Canada, Ron Heyman. He came down with bronchitis three days before. We had to come up with a rider, 
and our coach uh, knew of Bob Roll. And Bob mm-hmm. was an amateur in Switzerland at the time, literally sleeping in a tent and racing amateur races. Huh. He got Bob on the phone, and two days later, Bob was in Italy starting the Giro as a pro. You could do that back then. You can't yeah. do that now. You know, it is our hope here, and we talked to Tom about this, to have Tom back in the not-too-distant future for a dedicated podcast for not only talking about this type of stuff but our usual stuff. Uh, but just as a little bit of a preview of that, you're dropping some cycling names that people that follow cycling uh, would know, Bob Roll being one who's a commentator. Who are some of the other people that you might know? Greg Lamont, for example. You knew Greg? or Absolutely. Greg was a contemporary. We were on the 80 Olympic team together, oh, cool. and he was 19 years old, and he – Turned pro the next year, and you know his career just took off. You he were was, thirteen. He was a phenom. I'm a little bit. I'm five years older than Greg. Um, and then yeah, how and about it, Armstrong? Did you have any experience with Armstrong? Armstrong came to our so the Seven Eleven team then became the Motorola team mm-hmm. after ten years of sponsorship. Seven Eleven went through a corporate bankruptcy, and we were lucky to find Motorola. Um, that first year, we brought Lance on as an amateur. Because that was 92, and he was going to the uh, 92 Olympics in Barcelona. Right. So you were on the same team for and one year. And I had year. been retired. I retired oh. after the 7 the uh, seven eleven ended. I had retired and stayed with the team in management. Okay. And then I, the next year, I think I left that team and started a company called Team Sports, which I have today. Was it obvious oh, cool. at the time that Armstrong was something special? Yeah, we really figured he was he was the brightest star in America. We had to, and we knew he was brash. Um, we had to try to get him on the team. Yeah. Now, this podcast will be out after an event that you are the director of, perhaps? I'm, I'm one of the founders and, and uh, organizers of the Tour of America's Dairyland, right. which starts this Thursday uh, for, for 11 days in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have one of our racers sitting right next to us. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, let's well let's talk about the teams now. So uh, let's first start uh, with a group discussion about Team Ineos, <laughs> right? Formerly Team Sky, uh, on, in the wake of the recent serious injury to four-time Tour winner Chris Froome. I, I kind of want to ask Tom this question. I don't know how much you've heard about how the accident happened, but. Uh, it sounds like a little more risk-taking in a recon ride than you might expect. You know, unless you see video, you can't, you, you don't really know. But from what I've heard, it sounds like a sort of a standard morning recon of the time trial course. On his time trial bike, you want to test your wheels out in the right. wind conditions to make sure, you know, you're not getting too much wind uh, right. push side to side. And, you know, he... he he was too relaxed. He took his hands off, and at the wrong time, that wind gust just hit his front wheel. Yeah. It's one of those freak accidents. What What's unusual is how hard he hit. Yeah. You know, yeah. The impact on uh, yeah. Spinal fractures, uh, sternal fracture. Elbow, I think, Elbow as well. fracture, uh, leg fractures, wow. uh, um, femur. You know, how and, fast was he going? You know, uh, about sixty k. Yeah, thirty-five miles wow. an hour, yeah. or something like that. <laughs> that's, that's clipping along. Yeah, so obviously that changed everything for the tour this year. He would have been, we'll say, co-favorite, perhaps, or maybe the main favorite for the strongest team, which had really three potentially of the strongest riders. One of those is gone, 
Team Sky, or as it's now known as Team Ineos, is still the strongest team. They've got last year's winner, Garen Thomas, and they've got uh, the biggest um, up-and-coming young star, star in Egon Bernal. With Froome being gone, how much, uh, Mitch, do you think the race has changed, or has it changed? I, I think the race has changed entirely. I think this is going to be one of those years that people are going to say, for maybe half a dozen riders in the field that if they're ever going to win the Tour de France, it's going to be this year because not only is Chris Froome gone, but the whole mystique about are they riding for Froome or are they riding for Garrett Thomas is gone. And, you know, Egan Bernal, as we said, is coming back from an injury. We don't know really how healthy he is. Uh, And Garrett Thomas doesn't quite have the same pedigree as as Chris Froome, although Sylvie might disagree having just finished the Garrett Thomas book. Yes, I just finished <laughs> reading his The Tour According to G book that he wrote that he wrote last year after winning the tour. Watching the race, he might have thought that he was somewhat protected by the rest of the team, but as he said, Froome actually told him that he was going to attack at certain points along the stage and to not follow him. So there were points where Garrett, I guess, was very PO'd at the rest of the team and the management because although he was clearly the strongest and Froome was slipping back on general classification, he still wasn't protected. And it wasn't until like the 18th or 19th stage that Froome told the media that they were going to ride for Garrett. Yeah. Hmm. Let, me, let me say one important caveat that I haven't mentioned yet which is the date of the taping here is June 17th. Uh, the tour begins on July 6th, so we're still three weeks out. We are just getting past uh, Froome's injury. Uh, the Dauphine has just finished, and Jakob Fulsang won that. The uh, Tour de Suisse is going on right now. So things might happen between now and then that could change everything we say. And so, again, if something happens to some other rider... In the Tour Swiss or something like that, you know, we won't have knowledge of that. So wait a second. There's a novice here. So here's a guy on a team who writes a book about how crappy he was treated last year. And he's still on the same team. He's still, like, close friends with Froome. But then at the same point, there was a story about how only one rider on the team could have an air conditioning unit on in the hotel because if all eight had it, it would completely shut off the power. (laughs) And they said that Froome was the only rider who could have it on, but he turned it on anyways. You're ruining the book for everybody here, right? (laughs) Hold back on some of that. I'm teasing. And I was going to say this is not Team Ineos' first uh, go-around with uh, shared leadership. If right. you remember back in the Wiggins days, right? he won the tour. He was the defending mm-hmm. champion. Along comes Froome. How do we make room for Froome, who was very young at the time? So to give Brailsford a lot, and the management a lot of credit for how do you manage these egos? Mm-hmm. How do you uh, communicate, make it transparent? And something like a book like that is like, hey, we as long as you tell your teammates the same thing and we all know – not everyone can have the brass ring. I think they've been pretty masterful, and that's why they're so consistent. And this is something very unique to cycling. Cycling is a weird sport. It's a team sport and an individual sport at the same time. Cycling's history has these inter-team rivalries. You mentioned uh, Bernard Hinault and Greg LeMond. That was a famous feud within a team. Uh, Contador and Armstrong had their feud. If you follow cycling, you start 
becoming more interested in the unique aspect of professional cycling because of things like this. And when you look at Team Ineos and, and how they line up, every rider has a role. And most riders are role players and mm-hmm. support riders. And there's only a couple, like Bernal will get some latitude this year, even though he's not the team leader. Right. Because he has been deemed and groomed as a future leader. So, and that's what uh, G got four years ago. You know, right. that's what mm-hmm. Froome got eight years ago. So, and there are riders like Mikhail Landa. When he left, it was clearly because they weren't moving him up or didn't see him as the leader he wanted, the future leader he wanted to be. So he said, I'm out of here. It could be uh, dollars and salary, mm-hmm. sure. but they pay well. Ineos pays very well. So right. I don't think it's that. It's right. more what my opportunities are. And am I comfortable? Like a guy like Woot Paul's who has been comfortable his whole career as a support rider for Froome. Uh, Froome gets hurt, and look, he, he gets, what, second or third in, uh, in the Dauphiné last Right, year. and uh, Kiwakowski is another uh, main mm-hmm. rider on that squad. Yeah, absolutely. But, th- but that's what makes, I think, cycling such an interesting sport to watch over the course of a single stage, over the course of a three-week race, and over the course of an entire season, is you've got storylines within storylines right. within storylines. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so. I think the obvious thing is who crosses the finish line first <laughs> on a daily basis. That's the first thing you see. Then it gets more complex with these jerseys and the right. pursuit of the yellow jersey and the, the dynamics that goes into how you win or retain or give up that yellow right. jersey so you don't have to defend it. Very subtle uh, strategies. Right. It's interesting that you wouldn't want to build like a uh, Yankees-type uh, cycling team where you just buy all the great cyclers because it wouldn't work at all well that's what we're we're talking about right now Um, Ineos is the yankees of that and they do buy the the best people and it's hard to beat them but you run into this ego thing right i mean like you were saying one guy left because Mm -hmm. he he didn't you know he wasn't being supported and wasn't looked at as the next guy i'm gonna go over here and you know i'm a big fish in a little pond over here now right i mean is it that kind of thing there's there are people that leave for their own opportunities but there's also an equally good rider that will stick as a role player like Wood Pauls and Kwiatowski okay. that are happy to ride in support of and, and support a winning tour. There. And obviously okay. have a bigger paycheck. A, big, a oh, comfortable sure. paycheck. Mm-hmm. And they will get their opportunities. They clearly right. get their opportunities, but they're not going to get a chance to go for the yellow jersey. Yeah. Yeah. But I think also while you have the feuds or the disagreements within teams based on GC or the skill level of different riders then you also have teams like Mitchelton or Movistar where they also have a lot of people who could do well on GC for example at the Giro last year on stage six up to Mount Etna you had Simon Yates and Esteban Chavez somehow Esteban Chavez got into the breakaway mm-hmm. which if you're not a cycling uh guru or aficionado i guess uh anyways it's kind of surprising because he's someone who people have looked at as a gc person but somehow he got into the breakaway and he won the stage but simon yates was able to his teammate was able to come up to him and chavez got the stage win and simon went in the leader's jersey and then they were one and two on gc so you have yeah i got a question for you chavez good looking guy (sighs) It's just it's, curious. No, it's a, I'm a huge I'm a huge Mitchelton fan. Um, Everyone's got their favorite ride. Yes, yes. Anyway, I was teasing her. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, let's talk about some of the individual teams. All right, let's talk about Team EF. EF stands for Education First. It is a, a United States based team. 
Uh, they have uh, Rigoberto Uran, who got second place a couple of years back. That was kind of a surprise. If he duplicates that again, that would be a big deal. You've got the American GC guy, which would be uh, TJ Van Garderen. <laughs> He's kind of been underperforming. And if he gets in the top 10, that would be a, a big thing for him. I don't see it happening. TJ would be great if uh, if Grand Tours lasted two weeks. Right. Right, oh, yeah, he's had that. And then I threw another name up here that will probably race, I think in his first uh, Tour de France, which is Michael Woods, who uh, is from Canada, and he could be a surprise. He could be one of those guys that finishes in the top five or ten. And, Finished uh, third in uh, World Championship last right. year. Okay, we're going to move to the next team then, AG2R. I am an unabashed fan of Roman Bardet. I like watching him climb. He's finished second before. He's finished third before, and uh, time trialing is not his specialty, which is why this year works out well, because there is only one individual time trial. Um, You know, since the race is wide open, I think if there's ever a year that Roman Bardet is a guy to watch, uh, I would say it's this year. Okay. All right, so the next team we're going to talk about is uh, what Sunweb. Who's got Sunweb? Is that you, Tom? I've got Sunweb, All yeah. Right. Um, a, little bit, a little bit of a question mark because of Tom Jumelin. Um, he left the, the Dauphiné last week early because of a knee injury, and uh, Chris, you reported he actually had some surgery. So huge oh, question mark. Yeah. His form hasn't been there um, where, he, where it should be. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, to win a tour, to be on the podium of a tour, everything's got to go just right. Yep. And that means your rest and recovery and your buildup, and he hasn't had the buildup. Uh, I do like their sprinter, Michael Matthews, uh, candidate for the green jersey. In fact, did he win it last year? He won so, two, two years, years ago, ago when two years ago, Sagan so, was kicked out of the race. When he was right? kicked out, yeah. yeah. But Sunweb without Jumelin is probably not as what we thought they might have been uh, two months ago. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. We're going to move on to Team Bahrain. Team Bahrain will probably be uh, conspicuous by their absence. I don't see them doing a whole lot this year. Uh, if Nibali, uh, their main GC guy, rides, he's probably a little tired from the Giro in May. I see him more of a stage hunter. Uh, they've got some supporting riders. I think you're mainly looking at stages, mainly from breaks from Bahrain this year. All right, that brings us to Mitchelton Scott. I'm going to turn that over to Sylvie. Sure, it sounds like, yeah, yeah she knows um, a lot about them. So. As I said, one of my favorite teams, Adam Yates is their main GC guy this year. His twin brother, Simon, just coming off of a Vuelta win, which is the Tour of Spain. Not super great Giro, but um, Adam, he's former winner of the Best Young Rider classification, Mitchelton has a pretty strong team from what I've seen this year and from who I think they're sending. You have Daryl Impey, who's South African champion. Um, he's a he's a great lead-out guy. Great, He can win stages on his own, too. Okay. Interesting. All right, so that brings us to Movistar. Tom, that's you, right? Yeah, we had talked about teams that uh, go with a multi-prong attack, and Movistar typically would do that. Um one of their their world current world champion is Alejandro Valverde. He I don't think will be a GC factor. Um, he's really getting up there in age, and he hasn't had the form this year. Otherwise, you'd consider him one of their GC multi prong uh, uh, weapons like Quintana and and uh, Mikel Landa we talked about earlier, who are the rider who had left Ineos. Spanish teams make a big deal about the team GC. I don't know if you guys knew right. that. It's a big deal to them. So right. any rider that can 
pad their team GC is is the kind of rider they invest in. Okay. So they're always going to um, throw down and make the race interesting. I like Quintana. I just haven't been a, a fan of the last couple of years. He's been mediocre. He's got to he's got to be pressing a little bit because yeah, he right. the, like it seemed like the sky was the limit for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, no uh, cycling team pun intended there, but um, yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he was a guy that you could imagine, you know, multiple uh, Grand Tour winner, and then it just never happened for him. Well, uh, well, actually, you know what? Uh, let's uh, you know not that he's listening to this, but let's give him some credit. He has won the Giro. Yeah, he yeah, has yeah. won so the Vuelta. Just correct me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I'm. A, so when he broke through, he was to me the complete rider. Looks beautiful on the bike, mm-hmm. pedals nice. I mean, just he seemed to have it all. And he was from Colombia, right? You know, they're cycling crazy. He's been riding since he was ten years old, racing yeah. since he was ten. So anyway, um, I'd like to see him come back. But I think there's a lot of question marks with that team right now. Yeah. <laughs> all right, it brings us to CCC. CCC is uh, the team that's left over from the ashes of last year's BMC team. Uh, they really don't have much to go on. They don't really have much of a sprinter. They don't have much of a GC. I think the only rider of note will probably be Greg Van Avermet. He's been doing pretty well in the tour here lately, picking up a stage here, leading the yellow jersey early on. Only look for CCC really in in stages. Uh, so, Mitch, why don't you talk about Team UAE? Team UAE uh, was just looking over their uh, their list, and I think their best GC contender is obviously Dan Martin. Uh, you know, I would say throw Dan Martin's name in the list of people who, if they're ever going to win the Tour de France, this would be the year. You know, he's a top 10 perennial finisher in Grand Tours. He's kind of snake-bitten. He tends to have uh, punctures at really inopportune times, but he'll win a stage or two, and I sure wouldn't count him out. They've got a couple of good sprinters, uh, Gaviria and uh, Kristoff are both uh, pretty sharp. I think uh, you could definitely look for uh, at least a couple of stage wins from one or both of them on the uh, on the flatter stages. Okay, uh, next up is Quick Step. Yeah, Quick Step, um, you know, is, they're the winningest team this year, winning most team, if that's a word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Al Philippe, I think, has won nine or ten races this year. He may go for the, the uh, Mountains jersey or he may go for stages. He may probably will be their protected rider for GC. Right. They have a very uh, diverse team with Viviani is arguably the fastest a sprinter if he has if he's on form but i think with al philippe uh, all of france is watching uh, three riders bardet and pino and uh al philippe so right. they they want a, a french winner and i don't I, I agree i don't know if al philippe will be able to pull it off and he's I'll, a kick to watch though yeah and i'll throw one i'll throw one last name in there which is mas enrique mas i think is his name he came in second in the welta last year he might be their gc guy Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So that brings us to Team Bora. Uh, Team Bora is uh, Bora Hansgrove is uh, best known for Peter Sagan, who is the I don't know four, five, six, seven time <laughs> winner of the green jersey. He's generally even more of a prohibitive favorite for that jersey than say Chris Froome was for the yellow jersey. He's he is that dominant largely because he is a sprinter that can get first, second, or third, and then he is a guy that can go out on breaks and get those intermediate 
points along the way, and he built up a huge lead in that regard. As far as GC is concerned, they've got a guy by the name of Buckman who's up and coming. I could see him finishing in the top 10. Shockman is another rider who much might be more of a stage hunter. All right, moving on to Team Astana. I don't know, Sylvia, you want to talk Team Astana here? I can talk a little bit about Astana. I don't know too much about them, but you you do have Fugel Sang, who's coming off of a Dauphiné win. He's one of those people who you don't necessarily expect to do really well, and then you remember, oh, Fugel Sang's in this race, and suddenly he's doing pretty <laughs> well on GC. He's mm-hmm. maybe winning stages. So uh, my only concern would be whether he, like, peaked more towards the end of the Dauphiné and he'll do really great for the first two weeks and then sort of just fade off during the third week. Uh, yeah, and you know, they've got some perennial uh, perennial strong riders out there like uh, LL Cool Sanchez, right. Luis Leon Sanchez, uh, Alexi uh, Lusenko, uh, and Pella Bilbao as uh, kind of an up-and-coming, uh, up-and-coming rider. I think, and you know, one thing about Astana is Fuglesang is had amazing form this year, best form of his life. This could be, again, uh, the year for him to, to reach the podium. I don't know if he can do it in the high mountains, but if you look at some of that lineup, their Dauphiné team is probably their tour team. It's a solid team. They and uh, Bora have been the, and, and uh, Quickstep have been the three best teams this year. All right, Tom, we'll stick with you, and we'll go to uh, Team Dimension Data. Dimension Data, they've got Mark Cavendish in the lineup um, coming back from Epstein Bar. Love to see Cavendish get back to sprinting form, but I think he's got a ways to go. He's, he's getting along in the tooth, and he's also had, as he mentioned, Epstein Bar, which people in America would generally know as mono. When people get this in cycling, it usually is the death knell to their career. Hmm. Although Sylvie will jump yeah. in and um, make an Esteban Chavez reference here. Sorry, sorry, oh, sorry, Sylvie, for picking on your favorite rider here. No, it's okay. But um, <laughs> stage, I'm again a really huge fan of Mitchelton, so I'm biased have, a little bit. We yeah, already so. talked but, about um, that. Stage, yeah. stage ten, Esteban falls behind on like a third category climb, which is this not is all stage ten. This is a zero we're talking. Yeah, about. this, this is all being cut out, Sylvie. Oh. <laughs> Go ahead. But anyways, just this year he's made his return from Mono or Epstein Bar, whatever you want to call it. Um, and he so won a stage. He won a stage at the Giro. Yeah, yeah. What was his finish in GC? What was, what was the place? I don't know, it was pretty far down. Yeah, okay, just checking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but just 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 another name on the Dimension Data list. You have Louis Menkes, who's previously been a contender for the best young rider jersey so i think he could be someone who we see as winning stages maybe getting in the top 10 but i think he's also a contender contender at least for the top part of gc okay all right that brings us to team katusha uh team katusha again not much to say about them i don't know who they got for gc I think it's going to be mainly stage hunting for, for Katusha. Again, getting back to just the overall format of uh, the tour, if you don't win the GC or are not, are not up in any of the classifications, your job as a team is to get your sponsor publicity. And you do that in other ways, uh, namely by getting out in breakaways, which Katusha might want to do because they get a lot of TV time when they're breakaways. Or going for a stage victory, which gets your uh, sponsor's name on the the front page of the papers over in Europe because the guy that crosses the finish line first, usually, uh, that's what you see. 
Okay. How about FDJ? Francis Dejeu. Um, Thibaut Pino is there uh, is the, uh, is going to be the uh, protected rider on uh, GC. He's uh, he's a climber, and uh, a few years ago it looked like uh, he was fated to uh, to kind of fade away. He was not great on descents. Uh, in fact, I think uh, to the degree that he had to work with a sports psychologist. He's gotten better, and uh, his climbing has really come a long, uh, a long way, and his descending has come a long way. He was a contender in some of the classics and one-day races this spring. Um, so uh, Thibaut Pino is looking pretty sharp. I could imagine Thibaut Pino uh, taking a podium position right. anyway this year. All right, Team Yumbo. Yumbo. I'm going to call him Jumbo. Um, <laughs> Team Jumbo. Visma is the second name mm-hmm. on that. Um, they've got a bright young sprinter and Dylan Grunewald. And um, the rider that excites me the most on that team is Wood Van Aert, who right. has just added. You know, these rosters aren't confirmed, but someone like Wood Van Aert will be uh, broadcast and added. And there's a press release about that the minute they know he's going to ride because right. it's good for their sponsors, hmm. it's good for their team. And he, it was announced that he would be added after the Dauphiné. Just a really exciting rider. Can do it all. Again, they're kind of a, a team that's going to go for stages. They've got Sam Bennett, who's a GC rider, and um, and Stefan Kreuzwick, who is consistent. But, you know, the top ten would be a hope for those guys. But it's a good, solid team. They just contended for the, uh, the, the Giro and mostly the Giro and a little bit in the Dauphiné. Right. All right, Chris. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the wild card? Teams. We didn't talk about Trek. So we're going to do that. We're okay, going to do that afterwards. Now. Nice. Um, uh, in in the tour, there are a grand total of twenty two teams. Eighteen of these teams are what they call pro tour level teams, and then they allow four wild card entry teams. These ones in uh, the Tour de France tend to be French teams. Uh, not surprisingly, uh, and so this year <laughs> they've got one Belgian team. Yeah, this year they've got three uh, French teams and a Belgian team. Uh, I'll go through them quickly uh, uh, because these teams tend to be not as high profile. Uh, Total Direct Energy. Uh, they've got Lily Lillian Kamjan for stages. Maybe Nikki Terpster as well. Uh, team Wanti. Uh, the Belgian team has got Guillaume Martin, who is an up and coming. 20th place. Guillaume Martin, please. Guillaume Martin. (laughs) Guillaume Martin, who is the potential 20th place type guy uh, on GC for them. Uh, I think his name is Andrea Pasqualan. He's a sprinter that might get fifth or sixth or eighth. Uh, (laughs) Then you've got a team, another French team, Arkea, perhaps. Arkea Samsek, yeah. Yeah, and uh, they've got Warren Barguil, who is kind of a stage hunter going for perhaps a mountain jersey. And if he goes GC, he could go top 10 potentially. I don't see it. They've got Andre Greipel, who's kind of an aging, fading sprinter. He might win a stage perhaps or not this year. And uh, and then lastly, I think um, the team that might make the most impact, well, I shouldn't say that, uh, another team is Team <laughs> Kofidis. I backed off a little bit because the, the guy that's kind of up and coming this year just recently is Jesus Herrada. Jesus Serrata won a race here today, I think, or yesterday, and he did quite well in the Tour of Lux- Luxembourg. Not a big race by any means, but he is riding well. Again, maybe top 10, maybe polka dots jersey, something like that. And then every year there's always a story about 
will uh, Buhani, their sprinter, be on the team or not on the team? He usually gets in some type of fight or some type of accident, and he's always pulled at the last minute. I don't know if he'll be riding. So, Okay. So now we can uh, move into Team Trek. Who's got that one? I think I've got that Trek okay. Segafredo. Um, Richie Port is their obvious GC contender. He typically has been um, not performing up to the level, and he's coming back from some injury like he often has been. Um, I want to say he... Did you call him a has-been? Did you just say that? <laughs> no, I didn't. Use, I didn't I, let's roll back the tape. Well, but you like know. he has been. <laughs> oh, okay. Like he has been coming back oh, from the injury. Okay. Yes, he's had a lot of injuries yeah. kind of slipped But Richie Port um, is a classic case of he was, he was uh, you know, lead domestique for Chris Froome mm-hmm. and left to pursue, you know, better opportunities where he could have easily stuck with, with Sky for a long time and made a comfortable living, but he wanted more for himself. Absolutely. And he's, he had many opportunities, first with BMC and now with Trek Segafredo. And let me say this for our non-Wisconsin listeners. We actually, I'd say a full 20, 20%, 25% of our listeners are from outside the state of Wisconsin. Uh, we are a Wisconsin-based podcast, and uh, Trek is based in Wisconsin. The Trek uh, Bicycle Company is based about uh, 50 miles from here. All right, so that brings us to uh, Team Lotto. Uh, this is uh, Team Lotto Sudal, or is it Lotto Fixall now? I can't, anyway. Lotto, uh, yeah, anyway. But uh, Lotto, um, I guess interesting storyline here. I, I don't see them competing on GC, but we will see a lot of one of their riders. Uh, Thomas DeHent uh, is one of these guys that will get in, you know, it's a 21-stage race. He may be in 12 or 13 of the breaks. Uh, I think he typically is the guy that spends the most time on the front of the race of any guy in the race, uh, which gets a lot of attention for his sponsors. And he might he might stick out there for a stage or two. They also have a really uh, exciting young sprinter. He's an Australian guy named Caleb Ewan. They call him the pocket rocket. He's, I think, 5'3". Like 5'3 three. Three or something. And when he sprints, he leans almost all the way over his handlebars and... And he was supposed to go to the, he, he was his plan was to go to the tour riding for Mitchelton and they pulled the plug on him uh, just a few weeks before the race partly because he was openly talking about switching teams I think he was already rumored to be going to Lotto at that point um, and uh, he's had a he's had a pretty decent start of his career with Lotto yeah yeah all right. So we've gone through the, the teams, the riders, we've got a lot of names out there, a lot of talk. Uh, but before we get to the GC, uh, I've got a few questions for our panel here. Uh, who will win the most sprint stages? I'll throw some of the obvious candidates out there. Uh, I'll say three, Viviani, Gronenwagen, and Gaviria. I think, yeah, I'll agree with you yeah. on the first two. Mm-hmm. Gaviria just hasn't hasn't shown it this year. Yeah, at you're all. right. Mm-hmm. But Viviani, you know, was it five? I don't know how many stages it won. Grunewagen's up and coming, and uh, uh, Caleb Ewan, I think, has a really good chance too. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna throw Caleb Ewan out there also. I think, I think uh, this is his first he's got tour. Pretty fresh legs. Yeah, the, the, as you mentioned, Jim, you know, a Grand Tour or Chris, you'd mentioned, you know, the the GC contenders typically can't sustain that form because they don't get a day off right the sprinters get a lot of days off and they can drop out like ewan did he dropped out after mm-hmm. 15 days so i like i like him as a, a contender for some stages i got i got one more sprint question here 
Let's get a uh, not a show of hands. This is a podcast. Let's not do that. <laughs> we did that whole podcast. Show of hands. We yeah, called it show of hands. Right, it did, right. it, it, well, we did, did the mime podcast. Yeah, too. that really felt <laughs> didn't flat. work. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's just go right through this. Will Cavendish win a stage this year? Will Cavendish ever win another stage this year? Let's start with Tom. I don't think he'll win a stage this year, and I just don't think he's going to win another stage. It's Sylvie. too too competitive. Sylvie, I'd say a few years ago. Um, I know when Stay I was in just, point. Sorry. <laughs> a few years ago, I'd say he might win another, but like Tom, I don't think he, especially against all of the young and up and coming sprinters. Yeah, there, I don't think there's anything we've seen in what he's done this year to lead me to believe that he could win a stage this year. I mean. Uh, if he somehow completely comes back on form, I could see him win one more stage in a Grand Tour someplace in the next couple of years. All right, moving on. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go against the panel here. All right, Jim. Yeah, and say that he's been saving everything up this year for this moment. All right, so that moves us to who will win the green jersey? Peter Sagan. Yeah. I'll say Sagan's form hasn't looked great since the World Championship right. last year. Um, but on the other hand, over the course of three weeks, his strategy is always uh, such that he just collects points when they're available. I'll, I'll throw out a potential name, and maybe you're thinking about this, Walt Van Aert. Mm-hmm. He could be a green jersey contender. Mm-hmm. And I think um, I think on the NBC broadcast, once someone picks a candidate for their, their contest, someone else can't pick that same candidate. So I want to pick uh, <laughs> Dylan Grunewagen. Okay. Oh, um, up and coming rider, you know he he can get over some state, get over some mountains. I'll pick Walt Vanner just to, okay, to pick a new. Pick and Jim, a new. you. Are I'm gonna go with Cavendish. Cavendish. Okay, oh, Cavendish. okay. Yeah. <laughs> just go with yeah. Cavendish, Cavendish for everything. Yellow jersey, polka dots. Try everything. Do you have something else you're gonna go with? I'd say maybe someone who we've overlooked in this conversation a bit. Maybe Michael Matthews because he has won it before. So maybe there's that chance. That's a smart pick, right there. I was gonna say not so much. A dark horse, but that maybe, is a smart pick right yeah, there. Yeah. Okay, so uh, my last question is: any guesses about the mountain jersey? The the choice, you know, that we would say is Al Fleet because he won last year, but it could just as well be any of fifteen Cavendish. other guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah I think it's obvious. Yeah, right, it's obvious exactly. Jim, yeah. I mean, it's sticking out like a yeah. sore thumb. It's right I think there. I think Jim's got to leave. Um, <laughs> you had somewhere to go, didn't you? Mm-hmm. All right, now let's get to the meat of the discussion. The GC, you guys, I'll go to your hymnals here. Uh, I went to uh, a website here that's got the current odds uh, for the GC. And again, this is some three weeks before the tour starts. So let me just read off the top ten. Garrett Thomas, the defending champion, is the first uh, pick. Then his teammate, Egon Bernal, is second. Maybe surprising, maybe not. Third is Jakob Fulsang. Fourth is Tom Dumoulin of knee injury fame. Fifth is Adam Yates of uh, you know whose favorite team. Uh, <laughs> sixth, and so she's a little biased. Uh, sixth is Richie Port. Uh, seventh, uh, Mr. Quintana. Uh, eighth, Pinot from FDJ. Ninth, Stefan Kreuzwig from Yumbo. And tenth, uh, a writer I mentioned before, Enrique Moss from Quickstep. So let's go with. Hey, wait, before we get into it, I'm, sure. I'm really disappointed. I'm seeing you all the way down to like 19 here. I don't see Cavendish in this list at all. <laughs> I mean, this is surprising to me. Let's go to the true, uh, the true expert of the bunch, the guy that's actually ridden uh, professionally here on on the uh, Grand Tour level. Tom, 
tell me who you think might be overrated. Tell me who you think might be underrated. To me, you know, a couple names uh, like Richie Port are, are higher than I would think. Um, it's interesting that Ineos has two riders ranked number one and two, and that right. tells you the strength of the team, not necessarily the individual riders. Fugel saying again, the experts are saying is right the, the next contender besides Ineos, and he's he's one of my favorite riders. I think Jumelin for the the reasons we mentioned, mm-hmm. his knee. I agree with Sylvie. I'd love to see Adam Yates mm-hmm. up on that podium. <laughs> yep. um, just a f- total fighter, uh, and you know then we get down to Pino and Bardet is further down than I'd like to see. It's interesting that they've moved what poles into 12th, who's just always been a support rider, but they saw what he could do if the uh, the shackles were taken off. But, yeah, I think all the contenders except one is on this list, and that's Cavendish. See, exactly. <laughs> that's what I, yeah, right. See, the expert, that's, I mean, now I'm right I, there with you, Tom. I'm right I, there. I know uh, who Mitch is going to say is the underrated one. Uh, Mitch, underrated, overrated? Uh, you know, I will say Bardet is underrated. Uh, you know, I'm not sure I'm ready to pick him to win it, uh, win it all, but I could see him. I, I see him above Thibaut Pino uh, anyway as far as the, the French riders go. Uh, Richie Port is an interesting question. Um, he's crashed out the last two stage nines in a yeah. row, and we really haven't seen what he can do over the course of a three-week stage yeah, race. It's Tom, guess. Tom was quite harsh on him, too, talking about the has-been thing. And, <laughs> yeah, right, uh, right. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think Tom Dumoulin is, uh, is rated a little high just based on his form coming in. Right I don't know. There? Did Sylvie have any? Uh, I don't know. I've, Sylvie? Honestly, in my opinion, I would see Cruzweig maybe one or two places up because he has been, he's gotten fourth place on multiple occasions, which is just off the podium. Mm-hmm. I know he's been in the leader's jersey, at least in the Giro before. I think he also deals with a lot of misfortunes like crashes or punctures, but I think that he could also be up there. Hmm. You know, the problem I see with him is he's got two J's right next to other consonants. That's really weird. So I don't I don't know that that's going to fly for him. Just I, I think me. that's very astute, Jim. Yeah, well, I yeah. mean, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. Uh, as far as me, let's see. I'm, I think Port and Quintana are, uh, their time, I think, to win the tour is past. As far as somebody that might, might surprise on the upside, about Emmanuel Buckman from Bora, and then uh, Enrique Mas, uh, second in the Welta last year, he could get you know fifth, sixth, seventh, something like that. So let's get to the final uh, final thing here, which this is, is the moment we've all moment been waiting, been waiting for. for. Really? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's pick. Well, we'll pick podiums. It's tough. We'll start with uh, Tom, and then I'll copy his picks. Tom, go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> well, again, uh, f- feel good for me would be if Jakob Fulgus. Fuglesang won, so I'm going to pick the top podium. In Danish, Fuglesang yeah, means yeah. feel good. Um, it's going to anyway, be go tough, ahead. but he's got a strong team. And uh, I'm going to go with Tom, uh, G in second and Adam Yates in third. Okay. okay. All right. Let's hear from you the. Can, let's hear. Oh, me. Let's hear from the elder Tyke. You know what? I am. I'm going to go with uh, an underdog here because I really like his form and I like his supporting cast. I'm going to put Enrique Moss on the top of the podium. What? Uh, Holy cow. He's number 10 on this list. He is number 10 on this list, list. but I think he is way underrated there. Uh, I go Enrique Moss, Fuglesang, and Bernal. 
you are if Bernal rides, you are among the only people on the planet picking Moss. I was saying fifth, sixth. I, I mean, that would be a bold pick. I thought, I, you know, I, I, I wanted to, I, I wanted to go a little outside my comfort zone. We should do drug testing before podcasts. <laughs> um, I don't like to see this in front of his daughter like this it's, it's coming ugly. in in this condition. What's in that bottle that you're sipping right now? <laughs> you, you, you know, you know, water with some coffee crud yeah. at the bottom. <laughs> All right, let's All right, hear from Sylvia, the younger. What do you got? Um, I don't think Yates can win because Mitchelton is start just starting to learn how to win a Grand Tour. Mm-hmm. I think he could get second or third. I agree with my dad, and I think Moss could be up there. Wow. He did he did really well in the up in the there Vuelta meaning list. what what place third all second. right third we got Yates, okay, we got Moss, we got Yates like, we got Yates second you got it you got to you got to pick it you got Yates oh. second okay. Moss third okay. who do you got on the top step. Cavendish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Cavendish is the obvious choice. Right, but, but I, I understand you want to go gotta, a little, bit, go a little yeah. bit. The grain, yeah, yeah. I, I get it. Hmm. All right, yeah. we need a pick. Sorry. Um, you know what? This is going to be way outside the box. Um, never mind. We're not going with that. Um, Bump, bump Adam Yates up. All right, here we yeah, go. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, let's bump him up. Adam, okay, Adam, Adam Yates, Yates first. Yes. Uh, and you said Moss, uh, Moss, Moss second, second and third. Um, Cruz Reich. Cruz All right, very okay. good. Okay. And uh, <laughs> and I will pick. Um, what the heck? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go with the odds makers. I'll say Thomas Bernal Fulsang. I'll just say really. That. I'll just That's say that. Lame. It's, it's lame. right there. One, two, three. <laughs> I know. But, Come uh, on. but last year, well, poor last Sylvia's sitting <laughs> straining. Like, oh, she could have just picked one, two, three. And yeah, I know. But it's simple. That's what I'll leave it All at. Right. You're going right. to win the least amount of money yeah. with those three picks. Right. right? That's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, we're That's just true. going for the best payout. Well, uh, I want to I want to thank our guests here tonight. Yes, very much. Thank you very much for coming in tonight, taking some time off of your from your family time. Well, mm-hmm. Mitch, you brought your family along, yeah. so it doesn't really count that way. But yeah, we appreciate you guys coming in. Well, again, do a plug for uh, Tom's tour of America's Dairyland, which is America's premier. largest bicycle. We get more entries than any other race. Yeah. Wow. Look for it next year as well. Mitch, this might be your final time. Yeah, although, uh, you know, my hope, certainly, Sylvia wants to be back to both race and write about the Tour of America's Dairyland next year, so I would be totally down with coming along and uh, recording another tour preview. All right, if you're back, you're welcome. Well, hey, I want to thank everybody again, and uh, until next week will be a typical podcast. And uh, and then next year, hopefully, have the third annual Tour de France preview podcast. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. So we'll let's see. let's clap it out. All right. Join us next time on the Bait and Switch podcast with our guest Joey Cariotti of Cranky Al's Donuts in Wauwatosa when we learn why Chris was called the ladies' man in high school. Red zone, basically anyone anyone from I think it's the. 30 yard and in going uh, in. yeah 20 yard and in okay which i love it because anybody with add it's perfect that's when all the action is i'll say this if my dating life in high school was the red zone there'd be no scoring <laughs> <laughs>